One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. We made it to Friday. Hallelujah. And for the most part, the snow has finally shut off here in western New York. lot to be thankful for here on Friday. Number one, the game is just two days away. Number two, the snow has stopped flying because I feel like we have lived in a snow globe the entire week. It has been nuts. Yeah, people, the school's been out. Hey, like a whole week yeah. off of school. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it's, we're in the midst of it. It's anarchy. It's anarchy. <laughs> it's snow anarchy. It's anarchy. I, <laughs> I, you know, I've, been ta- I've been keeping you apprised. I'm the plow guy now, right? Yes, my, Mr. Plow, mm-hmm. so, that's your name. That's, that name again <laughs> is Mr. Plow. So I got my thing, and I, and I was plowing my, I, I couldn't, I, I was running late yesterday. Yes. Right. So I had to just plow enough to get out. Right. I couldn't, you know, like. If you're, if you're an experienced plow guy like myself, there's some details that you like to take care of. Couldn't get it done because I had to, so I so I had to go home yesterday and and did it again and had to finish it right. Yes. And uh, yeah, I, actually, I thought to, you know you never know. You go to sleep at night, you wake up, and it's going to be like, oh geez, here I go again. Right? It didn't happen last night. I thought we we're going to get some more last night. We got a little, but not. I didn't. Even, we know. got another six inches. We didn't get any. Yeah, you're just like three. You're like. Five miles north of me? No, I think it's more than that. Is it? It's probably closer to eight to ten. Okay. Yeah, I would say I would say you're up by ten the, miles north. Yeah, I'm of an EA, and you're up by the ninety. Correct. Right. The, the, so it's a big difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. There. Oh, yeah. But it was camped difference. out. It was camped out over us yesterday. The snow band and oh, you got dumped all day yesterday. Most of the day. So when you left here, because it was nice my, when you left yeah, here. My wife nice, texted but, me about an hour before we were off the air, and she said we're getting slammed. So we got about another, uh, the roads were, the side streets were bad on my way home yesterday because they had yet to be cleared and we were getting one to two inches an hour. So it was, uh, it was a little squirrely, but you, you nothing you can't navigate. You just go slower. You park in, in the garage or yes. Okay. Right. Oh yes. Yeah. My cars are garage kept 12 months out of the year. Yeah, I am not too. a leave it out in the driveway guy mine at are, all, yeah, especially too. this time of year. Right. I mean, it, you really, it's one, one of those things like, uh, yeah. The only thing that I keep having trouble with, um, and I'm really jealous of my neighbor. So my neighbor has a garage floor with a drainage thing right down the middle. Oh, you don't have a drainage thing in your garage? Not in my garage, Pat. No drainage, so... You raised by wolves? I got it. Well, it wasn't my choice. I didn't build the dang house. Oh, my God. But, uh... So I have water from the melted snow off my cars just sitting in a giant puddle in my garage. So, like, every day now, I'm squeegeeing that stuff out of my garage into the driveway. It's just... It's a small inconvenience. I'm not. Right. I'm not complaining. I just wish I had a drainage system in there, and I shudder to think what it would sounds cost like, to install one. Kind of sounds like you're complaining. Yeah, probably, probably a little bit. I'm with you. I'll, I, I'm, I'll jump into grumpy old man mode for a second here, but I, yeah, it's just every so often. Yeah, I look at myself going, "You disgusting." And your garage floor <clears throat> is just—it's disgusting right. because all of the black snow that your tires kick up and sit in your wheel wells, you pull in at night, and it drains, it's 40 it degrees off, in the yeah. garage, it melts off, now you got black dirt and road grime all over your garage floor. Yeah. yeah. It's, well, that's... One know, of the minor inconveniences we deal at. with this that's time of year. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. But I'm, I'm um, this game, and I, I, like you, 
I get calls because I'm from Kansas, right? My whole family's back there. I grew up there. Right. I went to community college there. I got oh, my friends are there. So does that so, whole state root for the Chiefs, even yes. though they play in Missouri? Yes, um, they do, except for my family, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So uh, I plus I know, you know, I know a ton of people. So I get call. I got a call today. I get called a couple of times. I want to go on, They want me on Kansas City and Wichita radio stations going on so I come on. And they all they all all they want to care all they care about is the snow. What what's it going to be like? You know, that's yep. you got to give them this weather report. And mm-hmm. you start talking about it, and you start using you know this lake effect and that. And and you forget they have, they don't know what that they have is. No idea what that is. They're yeah. like, what do you mean this lake effect? Does that mean that? No. It we had Ryan Leaf on the show yesterday. Right. And he said he learned what Lake Effect Snow was based on the four days he got stuck here. Right. <laughs> he had never heard of it yeah. before. He's from Montana. That's right. So, so I was on today with the, the Chiefs people, and you know, they're, it really is. You get the feeling, and, and great, great folks out there, and it, you know, but you can understand how it, and I'm, it's been this way for other franchises as well. It was probably this way for New England when they were going every year and all that stuff. Yeah. There is such a calm expectation for how the season goes for them i remember i did a i did a game early in the season when tom brady was in new england they were playing the dolphins i was a sideline reporter for cbs and the dolphins go out 17 to 3 or something in this game in the first half and the fans in new england didn't they were like they didn't even play they were like yeah come on let's go they weren't there was no complaining they were drinking. Yeah, man, let's go. This is going to be great. And Second sure half enough, comeback. Yeah, and sure enough, they you know they came back and won. it was and it's kind of like way in Kansas City now. I get the vibe where you call talk. They're like, ah, eh, you know, well, we'll, you know, we're just making plans for the AFC Championship in Baltimore, kind of thing. You know, kind of that feeling. That's like what they're doing. I'm. They're waiting to see. They think this is going to be a good game and all that stuff. But they just kind of you just kind of get this feeling like this. And yeah, let's, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Is there's no, I don't get any angst. Angst. Yeah. In Buffalo, people are like puking in the aisle. I mean, they're like just, we're up. We're it's a all, lot of scar tissue. Oh my gosh. We're up. You know, it's been a roller coaster. Yeah. Right. And none of that from, from the Chiefs, you know, kind of vibe from the Chiefs kind of, kingdom. Chiefs kingdom. Uh, this week's divisional playoff game, incidentally, against the Chiefs, is presented by this year's playoff presenting sponsor, Northtown Automotive Companies, the official automotive dealer of the Buffalo Bills. And if you are coming to the game, your own fan base has sent out an edict on what to wear to the oh, game yeah. this week. As we know, red is part of Buffalo and Kansas City's color scheme. Red is the primary color for the Chiefs. So Bills fans are being asked to wear only blue if you are coming to the game on Sunday. Do not wear any form of Bills red because we don't want it to be misconstrued as Chiefs red and support for the Chiefs when the folks from all over the country are watching this game on television. So a blue out, I guess, for a lack of a better term. Right. So... Much like Steve and I are today, pull your blue stuff, your blue bill stuff out of the closet if you are coming to the game on Sunday. Uh, So just make a note of that. Do not come in any red bills paraphernalia. Blue, 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 blue. Um, And I think the bills are wearing their home blues this week anyway. 
Is it blue on blue or blue with white pants? That I I didn't see the official uniform either. choice. Usually that, that was kind of a big deal during the regular season. It's kind of the secondary. Yeah, I'm wondering if the Chiefs are going to go white jersey, red pants. or if that's, they, old, that's old school. Or if they're going to go all white. I think they go kind of go. They're all white. You know, I'm a big fan of the all white. Yeah, I like those too. Yeah, even they look good on Buffalo too. Correct. Yeah, the Stormtrooper look. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Chiefs have a red helmet, so it kind of chops mm-hmm. it up a little bit. Bills, when they go all white with that Stormtrooper look, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, all blue is the edict for Sunday's game. Uh, a couple of news and notes concerning the Bills and this game on Sunday. In case you hadn't heard, Hall of Famer Bruce Smith is this weekend's BFLO store legend of the game when the Bills host the Chiefs. So much like Steve did last week, he'll be down on the field right after the National Anthem, firing you folks up for kickoff. Uh, So we look forward to that. We saw an honor bestowed upon Bill's rookie offensive lineman, Osiris Torrance. He was named to the all-rookie team, the NFL's all-rookie team, by NFL Network's Bucky Brooks, who puts that list together every year at NFL.com. So congrats to Osiris, or Cybo, as his teammates call him. Kind of a cool recognition for him. And then there are the practice updates, Steve. Bill's practice updates presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Head coach Sean McDermott earlier today ruled out the following players for Sunday's game against the Chiefs. Wide receiver Gabe Davis, safety Taylor Rapp, cornerback Christian Benford, and linebacker Balin Spector. Everyone else on the injury report has a chance to play on Sunday. Coach McDermott characterized most of those players as game-time decisions. Uh, Terrell Bernard is not practicing in this Friday walkthrough today but he is not yet ruled out for Sunday's game. Coach McDermott saying he wanted to see how he looks on Saturday and even Sunday morning. Now, let's not forget, you got all day Sunday, too, because kickoff's not until 6.30. So there's some yeah, extra time there as but, well. Yeah, there is, but the extra time was used up on the other end. You only got six days from, Correct. from the game. So, yeah, it, tough, tough to get back. He could, uh, and believe me, the fact that he's got a chance is way better than we thought we were going to be when he went down. Ahead oh, of yeah, we were all thinking last. season ending. Yeah, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how fast he does get back, even if it's not this week. Um, and if the Bills can find a way to get a victory, maybe he has a chance for next week. So, um, yeah, keep a close eye on that. The other new development was Stephon Diggs was added to the injury report yesterday for veteran rest and a foot ailment. And he is limited in practice again today, as he was yesterday. Coach McDermott kind of described this as something that has cropped up as more of an issue through the course of the practice week. So he was added to the injury report. As we know, nobody's really 100%. So presumably he was a less, less than 100% coming out of the game. And then through the course of the week, this foot got to a point where he had to be listed on the injury report. That is a concern. Receivers don't have their wheels. It's hard to perform. So hopefully he's getting the right treatment and can get himself on the field and be more importantly, be effective on Sunday. There's nothing more important than your, than your legs when you're a wide receiver. I mean, it's, 
I, I remember thinking to myself, there's nothing worse for a wideout than a foot injury because you can't do what you're supposed to be able to do, and that's run and move and cut. And cut and catch and all of that stuff. You can't even get to the ball to catch it. So it's uh, – yeah, that's, that's a, a tough development for, for Diggs. And then Sam Martin, the punter who sustained the hamstring injury last week against Pittsburgh, um, practiced on a limited basis yesterday. So he has not yet been ruled out either. But this is a really tricky spot, Steve. It's not like you can go into a game – and say, well, let's see how far he gets through the game, and then if he can't finish, we'll just plug somebody else in. It's not like linebacker. You know what I mean? It, no, it's, a I, one, it's a one-man position. you got to be confident he's going to be able to get through the game. Yeah, it's, and it's not so much – I mean, all, everybody grows up punting the football. It's not like nobody could do it, but there is an art to it, and, and to be good at it, you got to practice it. None of these other guys practice it. The secondary thing is – I guess he could probably still hold for field goals and extra points, but yeah, but you're not wasting a roster spot on a holder and a punter, right? As two different exactly. People. That's what I'm saying, though. If you get into the game, he goes. He can still hold if he's not punting, and you got somebody else to punt. But I, you know, what are they going to do? Hold emergency punter tryouts? Well, they do that once in a while, but I don't know. I, I think the I think the emergency punter was like Balin Specter, who's out. Well, yeah, and you signed Matt Hawk to the practice squad, so he's sitting there yeah, but ready and waiting. There's no easy way around this because it's a one-man position. Yes, it's a one-man position, and, and an, another position depends solely on it. You've got to have somebody to hold for Tyler Bass, which means right. Matt Hawk's got to do it. Now, he's done it before, and it's not – but Did it for a whole season but yeah, back in yeah, 2021. Yeah, I mean, that's – you know, this is do or die. You, you can't mess that up. No, and that's why I think if there's any question about Martin being able to get through the game, let alone punt effectively, they probably have to go with Hawk They've on got Sunday. A, uh, yes, Hawk and Tyler Bass should be taking rep after rep after rep after rep, getting that thing yeah. well-oiled. And as we said, you know, he was Buffalo's punter in 2021 and held for Bass the entire season. So he's worked with Reed Ferguson and Tyler Bass for an entire year. I think it's one of the main reasons why he's even here right now, because there is that familiarity and past work experience. Because to your point, the game's too dang important. you got to have somebody that is familiar with the operation, knows what the kicker likes, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think a week is enough time to kind of get back on that horse and have a firm working relationship with the operation um, so yeah, we'll have to see. The other interesting thing is Matt Hawk is a lefty punter. I noticed that. He's a lefty punter. I did notice that. I'd forgotten. And the ball spins differently, right? For returners. It spins opposite yeah. way. Yeah. And it's... It can be tricky sometimes. Yeah, it, it is tricky. And it's something that punt returners aren't used to. And you start getting into hab and it's it's weird it's no question it's weird you get into a windy situation and you could get some benefit out of it if if the guy drops or muffs a punt because it's it moves differently than he's used to i get all that but you still need somebody who can yeah. can boom it down there and it, i'll tell you what it's a crusher too cuz you think about it sam martin was the, uh, the special teams player of the month he was he was killing it yeah 
Just dropping them uh, inside the oh tent gosh. with alarming regularity, flipping the field. That would have been so nice. <clears throat> oh, well. So we'll, we'll see what the end result is when the Friday injury report comes out. But I, I think if there's even a shadow of a doubt as to Martin being able to get through the game, I think it's probably Hawk on Sunday punting and holding uh, for Tyler Bass. Uh, we want to remind you here on Friday, as we do every week, it's the OBL Fan Friday Mailbag. Any question you have on your mind about the Bills, the playoffs, the league at large, fire them off at us at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. We have open lines for you, and Steve and I will be happy to answer those for you in short order. Just to give you an idea on what else is coming up on the program today, we've got in about 15 minutes' time the latest installment of Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, where Steve will regale us with a story from his playing career based on a question submitted by you, the fans, and that fan will receive a premium mystery box with some signed Bill's memorabilia inside. Uh, Our winner last week got a signed Josh Allen football. That's pretty dang good. Um, So stay tuned for that to see who this week's Winner is. And then in hour number two, as we do every Friday, we check in with our good friend Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. You know, I mentioned, you know, how the NFL Matchup Show is good for fans that may not know all the X's and O's and the jargon and all of that stuff because they kind of sift it out for you and explain it in a pretty straightforward way on the Matchup Show. I got two tweets back from fans saying, oh my gosh, thank you for pointing me in the direction of the NFL matchup show on ESPN. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they're great. Because they they do it in a straightforward way that doesn't make you feel dumb if you don't know the X's and O's intimately. It's nice to have somebody explain the in a way that doesn't use the jargon so much. And and these guys do a great job. Yeah. Well, you can... We get a ton of attention when Greg comes on on Fridays. He comes in because he's, first of all, he's totally middle of the road. Now, he does. he does Not a big opinion guy. Yes, he's nice to the Bills, and, he, and he's not going to come out and say one team or the other stinks. But he is straight down the middle and says, listen, you got to, you know, I'm, ex- I'm interested in this and that. You can, when he speaks, he studied it, and he's dispassionate about it. Hmm. You know what I mean? He's not pulling for anybody to win. He's emotionless. Yes. <clears throat> He enjoys the process right. rather than the outcome. Let's uh, go to the phones, though, at 803-0550, And we lead off today with Jim in Penfield. What do you got for us, Jim? You're on One Bills Live. Uh, how you doing, guys? Happy New Year, uh, Chris and Steve. Uh, Chris, I want to compliment you on your uh, broadcasting skills on the radio. You are absolutely excellent. I love the way you paint the picture. Tell him exactly, and it's so much easier to follow the game when you do that than rather than listening to listening to somebody like Nance or, oh God, Romo. Anyway, enough. All right, of that. thank you. You're excellent. You guys are really good. Uh, number two, I think Sean. People should leave him alone. Continuity is what counts. Look at Pittsburgh. Look at all the teams that have had coaches for the last ten, twelve years. They they are constantly excellent, excellent, excellent. Number three, Von Miller, I think he's going to shine. 
I think he's going to do really well this weekend. He's going to surprise that woman who's uh, constantly looking to dump him. And number three, lay off the stormtrooper reference. Those are the bad guys in the movie. They're not the heroes. Remember <laughs> that. That's, that's all I got to say, guys. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Fair enough, Jim. Jim bringing the takes today. Uh, but he's in your boat on Von Miller. He thinks something's going to happen this week. Yeah, I think he's still got gas in the tank, and I think this is a perfect time for him to do it. I, uh, you know, and I'm I'm not saying he's been waiting for his chance. I think he's playing hard and trying to get better, and I think he is. Um, he was very close uh, last game a couple of times. A couple of times, yeah. And uh, I think he's uh, this Chiefs matchup might be the tonic that he needs to get him over the top. Uh, and, and I'll say this too: it's it's a good question. And we used to have the the debate about what came first. Uh, do great teams win because they love each other? Or do they love each other because they win games? A little bit of that is like this continuity thing he says with Sean McDermott. Do you have continuity because you're winning games, or do you win games because you have continuity? Um, you don't get to stick around as a head coach unless you're winning a ton of games. Mike McCarthy's winning 12 games a year, and he's getting into the fourth year of his con or fifth year of his contract, and they're sticking with him. Um, winning 12 games in the NFL, double-digit games in the NFL year after year is really tough. And I think not all of them, but there's a lot of owners out there who realize how difficult it is to win. Bills and have done it for five straight seasons. That's right. And you've got you to ha- give yourself a chance to get in. You can say what you want about the early exit of the Steelers or the Dolphins or – uh, the Cowboys, for that matter, all these whatever team you pick that that could get there and couldn't get another thing, that is a good. They're good football teams who want to take a shot at it, and and I had this conversation on the radio in in, in this morning in a Kansas radio station about listen you get you get into this point like where the Bills are now, you're looking across there and, and all you see over there is either Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, yeah, right, or Joe Burrow. I mean, you're, you get good at the same time other teams do. That's all you see. That's why your rivalry is what it is. They got good players. You got good players. You got to get a chance and take a swing at it. Some teams can't compete with Josh, Patrick, Joe, or Lamar. They can't get, can't get it done. And that's why coaches lose their jobs. Players get cut. They trade quarterbacks. All of that stuff. Yeah. So I, I get – yeah, and I agree with you. They have done a masterful job here, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, of course, of putting this team on the map and winning a lot of games and giving themselves a swing at the championship every single year. You're not always going to do it. And who knows how this is going to turn out this year. But I, I'm not – you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I, I'm, with, I'm with Jim. I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody over the boat who's going to the playoffs and winning a playoff game yeah. every single year. The Bills are winning a game every single year. Right. Yeah. It it certainly is worth noting because there aren't many teams doing that, getting to the Elite Eight every year. Uh, the Bills are doing that for the better part of the last three seasons. And uh, and thanks, Jim, for the kind words. We appreciate it uh, for our radio broadcast group. Uh, try to put the best product out there for you. Glad you're enjoying it uh, on the radio side. Let's go to Eddie in Depew next. What do you got for us, Eddie? Hey, uh, you guys were talking about place kicker holders, and it and it reminded me of something. Wasn't there a time where the backup QB used to hold the yeah hold the ball 
Yeah, you're right. And, and I'm just wondering why they don't why they don't do that anymore. And I had another question while I'm on the phone. I've been meaning to ask you guys all season. Why do receivers and D-backs wear mouthpieces and let them dangle? Has this become a fashion thing? Because I noticed in one game there was a uh, – I don't know who it was. I, I think they had two different colors on even, but they never put them in their mouths. <laughs> yes, a little bit of it is fashion and all that stuff. I know this, Steph Diggs okay. lets his dangle. He wears one and then lets another one dangle. Um, I've seen that happen. Um, yeah, it's – yes, it is a thing like that. Um, the backup quarterback, you're right. They used to have the backup quarterbacks hold because then if they drop the snap or something bad happens, they've got a quarterback picking the ball up and he can throw it. Uh, that was the thought behind it. A quarterback's used to handling the ball when the, something goes wrong. Everybody changed when the the kicker and the snapper got specialized and they wanted somebody that was available to go practice with them. Like for the whole practice. For the whole practice. And a backup quarterback can't do that. Backup, He's got to run scout yeah. team and other stuff. Backup quarterback's time is too is is cut up too much time. They can't practice enough. Um, they don't just show up and do this stuff. They pra- They go rep after rep after rep after rep, and the backup quarterback can't do that. He's over there throwing footballs to the to the scout team defense, or to the to the starting defense. Uh, with a scout team offense, so you know that's that's why that changed over the years. That's first of all, that's why they did it. They put the backup quarterback because he's not going to break a finger and then not be able to do it late in the game. You mean if he's a holder? Yeah. If he's a holder, and then and plus he can throw it if something bad happens. Mm-hmm. But because of the practice time and the time constraints and what's expected of the backup quarterback, uh, the time won't allow it during the week. Yeah, I figured as much. I never got that fully confirmed, but I assumed it was because you needed somebody to go off with the with the snapper Those and the guys, kicker for yeah. the balance of practice, and a backup quarterback doesn't have the time. So to do much that. more when they when the when the when the NFL rosters expanded, so did responsibilities and the expertise yeah. of the specialists. Um, you know that's you know all this stuff about you know the Hall of Fame and stuff that that I go through. The old timers are like going, you know, they used to cover all the Hall of Famers used to, the old guys used to cover kicks. So they're like going, what are you, you can go to this, you know, we never did, you know, that was a, that was right. a playoff for us. Well, when the league, when the rosters expanded, so did the game. And now more and more guys, guys like me, have a chance to contribute in a meaningful way on plays that used to be throwaways. And, you know, some of the old timers don't, don't like it and i get it i you know it's it's not it's a different game but they, let's face it too those guys were animals <laughs> there were 36 guys on a roster oh yeah they were some of them playing both ways yeah they were cra- you know they were they had huge burdens on them and so you know now that the game's expanded everything has become more and more specialized right. and guys are better and better at, at the smaller parts of the game let's go to don in rochester next what's up don Hey, guys. Love your show, by the way. Thanks. Um, just uh, wondering, what's the verdict on Jordan Phillips coming back? And I was wondering if people like Tredavious White and Matt Milano, do they ever come to the games, and are they on the sidelines at all? Nah, just wondering. Yeah, so uh, to answer the second question first, yes. As a matter of fact, I saw Matt Milano on the sidelines last week. Um, so, yes, they do generally attend the games. They're usually in sweats 
on the side, a lot of times this time of year with a hood or a hat on, so it's tough to identify them. But yes, they are there. And then regarding your first question about Jordan Phillips, Coach McDermott said this week that while he has fulfilled the four-game minimum on injured reserve and could come off at any time, he is not yet ready to come back from wrist surgery. So eligible to return as soon as he's medically cleared, but medical clearance hasn't happened yet, so he is not an option for them in terms of bringing him back onto the active roster. Uh, We have to step aside here. When we come back, it's the latest installment of Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, followed by your phone calls on an OBL Fan Friday mailbag. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we'll get to your phone calls in just a second on this OBL Fan Friday mailbag. But it is time now for our latest installment of Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker, presented by Total Sports Enterprises, an official sports memorabilia partner of the Buffalo Bills. As you know, we solicit fans to submit their questions or their requests for a story from Wall of Famer Steve Tasker. Winners selected at random will receive a premium mystery box of signed items. Could be a Bruce signed Bruce Smith signed photo or a Stefan Diggs signed jersey or even a Jim Kelly signed replica helmet. Rules do apply, so visit buffalobills.com slash T-S-E Tasker. This week's winner is Emily, who says, Hi, Steve. If you could replay one playoff game that you've been in, which one would it be and why? Go Bills. If I could replay it, here's the thing. Would it be if I could change the outcome? That's one thing. I'd probably do, All right, well, do one of the Super Bowls. Well, let's play it that way. If, you could, if I could change the outcome, it'd probably be one of the Super Bowls. All right, like which Super one Bowl would 25. you change? I don't know if I'd change Super Bowl. Probably the last one. The last one? Well, yeah, because you go to three and then change. And go out then on top. Go out on top. Okay. So then it'd be special. Right. But, um, yeah. that A game you would replay. One, one that you enjoyed maybe more than any other, and you'd, you could redo it all over again. Yeah, the 51-3. to three And live pretty, it again. The 51-3 to three is pretty fun. Yeah, that's... That's that was kind a of a no-brainer, that was, right? Yeah, that was that was so fun. I mean, because there was a lot of because that was the first time yes. when you guys knew you were, we're going, going to the Super Bowl. To the Super Bowl. Um, big gift for the us, the players, and and I think the fans too here in Western New York. It was a huge gift for all of us. And I'll say this too: we didn't know how good we were going to be at that point, right? You know, you how did you know? We knew we were good, but. We'd, we'd lost two years before that in the championship game in Cincinnati. And and then to go in and just roll into the Super Bowl like that, it was an absolute blast. What a, a place. This this whole region was just on fire. Uh, that was a fun game to be a part of. Um, it, the players, I mean, you got five Hall of Famers plus Kent Hull, who should be in the Hall of Fame, and Cornelius Bennett, who should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, you got – just tremendous fans. We were rolling. Uh, Hall of Fame head coach. Uh, that was just a blast to be on that field because you know it was over at ha- you know far be it for me, but it was over at halftime. It was forty-one to three at half. Forty-one. This, it wasn't like at the Super yeah, the Bowl. The party started early. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't twenty-eight to three like it was in the Super Bowl for the Patriots. Atlanta. It was forty-one to three. They got Marv good with the um, bucket. I forgot that. Yeah, and it, man, he, did they get him good! Like was, the whole thing. Yeah, 
It was uh, that was a fun game, and I think and but the fact that also it was at home uh, against the Raiders, who we had played we had played a couple of times, and we're going to play subsequently after that because they stayed good as well. Look at this! Oh, that is and, the uh, whole thing down his back. Wow. And, uh, Mark wasn't happy about that either. He was, it was funny, but that was a day that was just too awesome uh, to put into words. Um, so if if I had to replay it, that was one I would probably took part in. Another one that was, I'll say this too, the New England playoff game here in Buffalo two three years ago was. I mean, oh, forty seven seventeen. Forty seven seventeen was. Well, she was saying one playoff game you've been in. That I was, I know. But you I, wouldn't mind reliving that. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people would sign up yeah, to that watch that a, again. That was a fun one. But it, and literally cold. Now you can. But, but I uh, that that fifty-one to three game was really special. I don't think I would want to re- relive the the comeback game. Too much stress. Well, it was, you know, spent a good portion of the of the game being like, huh. Well, yeah, it was fun. It was a nice run. <laughs> we had two Super Bowls. Yeah, but then the, that was great, the yeah. exhilaration coming off yeah. the field. I mean, yeah, high uh, as a kite. Yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling, um, and it was, and it really had that feel. I know a lot of, it, and I, I mentioned this earlier about maybe a month ago when we were talking about stuff like this. The comeback game felt supernatural at the very end of it. It felt like a, you had you had witnessed something supernatural. Much like last year's playoff game against New England, or no, Week 18 game against New England, oh, when the, they came back Naheem and Naheem Hines returned it opening kickoff for a touchdown after DeMar had been resuscitated the week before. That felt, you know, miraculous. other world, miraculous. Other, yeah, felt transformative almost, right? So there's some of those things going on, and you, you think about some of the, stuff that's happened in that stadium across the way, yeah, some of it has been really unbelievable. Really unbelievable. So I think the 51-3 to game was awesome. The comeback game was, was great. I don't, want, I don't want to replay the comeback game, even though it turned out great. <laughs> it stunk for three quarters, man. I had never seen that footage before. Of you literally choking out Steve Christie after oh, he kicked pulled, the field they, goal. They were holding him up on his shoulders. I reached up, grabbed him by you the neck. You grabbed him by the neck. down. That's the first time I've ever seen that yeah. part of that footage. That's, I was fighting to get oh to Oh, my him too, God. Man. You, like, you can... ripped him off the pile yeah, there. Yeah, I did. It was fun. That, uh, awesome, awesome moment in Bill's history. And to see Frank play the way he played in that second half. That's as fired half. up as I ever saw Frank yeah. at any point on the field. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was a pretty low-key guy, you know? Yeah. Um, that was as animated as I have ever seen Frank Reich on a football field. Yeah. Coming off, that was of great. It was great. And I, I, um, so there, there's, there's, that's a small handful of the the plays or the the games I remember. Right. If, I, if I was going to change the outcome, it would have been probably the fourth Super Bowl so because Super Bowl then, 28. 28, because then we would have been to three in a row and won the fourth one. That would have been that would have been a legendary. Well, it already is legendary yeah. in some places, but it would have been unbelievable moment. But yeah. then. If you're not going to change the outcome of any of the games, it would have been the 51-3 to yeah, three game. That's an easy one. I think. Yeah. All right, Emily. Well, congrats. The premium mystery box of a bill-signed item is on its way to you. Thanks for participating in Excuse Me, Mr. Tasker. Got to get back to the phones at 803-0550, as it is the OBL Fan Friday Mailbag. Any question on your mind about the bills, the playoffs, the league at large, you let us know. 
And we will go next to Frank down in Woodstock. What's up, Frank? Hey, guys. Great show. Love it. Uh, Steve, you're always going to be my Hall of Famer. A uh, couple things. Cook, uh, Kincaid, and uh, uh, Knox. Key to the game, besides the defense. I am 100% sure we are going to take them. And they are going to see the wrath of fire from the Bills Mafia and get a taste of their own medicine on the road. I know it's got to be difficult to play when you have the fans that the Bills have. Uh, And just one more thing. Can I say a shout-out to my friends in Rochester, New York? I used to live there. I miss it. And uh, that's it, guys. I'm looking forward to a great game. And, Steve, again, you should be a Hall of Famer. I've been a Bills fan for 35 years or more. And uh, we're going to do it. This is our year. Oh, Steve, did the guys ever go to Josh and say and have a talk with him like, listen, we can do this. You don't have to put all this on your shoulders or, you know, I don't know, some kind of talk like that. And that's it, guys. Love the show. And, Chris, you're pretty good yourself. (laughs) Enjoy the weekend. Thanks, Frank. Um, Thanks, Frank. Enjoy the game. Um, First of all, thanks for all that. Yeah, yeah, Cook, Kincaid, Knox, um, those guys are key. Yeah, no question. Uh, Yeah, uh, yes, there are a lot of conversations that go on. Here's the thing. It's like you're you're in doing something with your best bud, and – if something happens, you think you can help him or, or fire him up or, or give him a thought process? Well, yes, absolutely those conversations take place. They absolutely do. But you also know the guy better than anybody, and you know what he knows. I mean, so there's not as much of that as you would think because, you know, as fans, we don't know who Josh is. We don't play with him. We don't, we don't uh, spend time with him. We don't practice every day. We're not sitting in meetings with him. We're, some of the stuff that a lot of fans would say um, – not even wouldn't even be knowledgeable enough to be the right subject, let alone have it affect Josh. But the players who know him the best, yeah. who know the conversations and the vocabulary and whatever, whatever. Like for instance, you know, there's been time when I was got a chance to play a little bit of wide out. There was a time when I say, listen, if if thirty five comes down on me and he's got me, he can't stay with me. You know, if this guy comes down, he can't cover me. Give me a chance. So that kind of stuff happens. Um, yes. So, yeah, all those conversations happen. And Josh has those conversations with other guys, too. So it works all that. All that is, it works. You're all in this. You're all down there on the sidelines. And the coaches, every, they're all there together. And they all have info. And they're all trying to help each other play their best. Um, so, yes, it is, a, it is a, an environment that is ripe for conversations that are both emotional and technical. Let's go to Mark in Kenmore next. What's up, Mark? Yeah, hi. This is the first time I've called, and I just feel compelled to primarily, I guess, call Steve because he's been talking about um, the officiating uh, this year as being basically as good as it ever has been and and, and that the games are so tight uh, that one or two calls can mean everything, and if it goes against you, then you're not happy and that type of thing. But I'm just a little concerned or questioning uh, Sean Hockley being the referee, given some history there with Buffalo and KC, uh, and that I've read uh, that uh, he did the Philly game and correct that was the uh, horse collar that wasn't 
Yep. And then the uh, phantom gro- uh, grounding the pass, and then the A.J. Brown fumble that wasn't, and he called 11 penalties for 80 yards against us. And I guess in the last four games, he's called 347 yards in penalties against us, which is almost 87 yards a game. And he's 8-2, and two, I guess, in uh, Chiefs games that he's refereed. So I just was hoping, and what your thoughts are, whether we're going to get a neutral referee when all is said and done. That's, that's all. I don't know. There's really no answer to it, but it's just a concern. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's interesting how, and sometimes at first glance, you wonder why the league is so transparent, you know? Why, what, well, here's your guy, and, and they give the statistics are out there, and there's, you know, they, don't, they don't hide from it. That's one of the things I've always liked about the NFL. They do not hide from who they are, their imperfections and their flaws, as well as their triumphs. I mean, they're the 800-pound the gorilla. And, and uh, this, this officiating is one of those times where you're kind of – other, other leagues shy away from this kind of – conversation but i'll say this i i've had it and of course you know comically i'm the guy that got tossed out of his last game for for bumping an official and beefing a call with an official and i was and i had self-admittedly was as bad as anybody in the nfl when it came to baiting officials i i was on them all the time i mean i was relentless and and so to have me sit here and say during my broadcast career of a couple of decades now I've come to know and, and realize how professional they are and how they, they are a special group of guys who, who view football differently than everybody else on the planet. They have their own way of evaluating and watching and, and observing games. And they're very good at it. They don't get it right all the time. There's a, more so than we, all of us will ever like to admit, there is a ton of gray area that they have to navigate, and they only get one chance at lightning speed to get it right. Yeah. Now I, the the league has helped them. Yeah. The league has helped them with review and all of that stuff. Um, but I I don't have any qualms about any officiating crew coming in and doing the Bills Chiefs game. They're all going to give it their best shot. There's that doesn't mean they're going to get everything right. But as long as you know they're going to they're going to try their best, and they're not going to favor either team or the other. Um, that's all you can ask for, and that's and I'm sure that's what we're going to get. Um, I just know that Bills fans are a little nervous because the past history is not good, right? And this is a crew that routinely over officiates, right? Routinely, now, and I don't have a problem with that because the Bills aren't one of those teams who push the envelope to me. They're not one well, of those. Then teams. How the hell did they get ten penalties called on them in the first right. half of the Eagles game? Well. I, well I'll say this. I'm just saying. Yeah. It was 10 to 1 at halftime. Yeah. And they made some bad calls and they missed some. In fact, the one that's comically bad was that's the horse, why they're worried. Was the horse collar tackle on Josh horrible. that got called intentional grounding. Yeah. And then the intentional grounding in the Cincinnati game where Josh throws it 35 yards down the field. J- Gabe hooks up. It goes right, almost directly yeah. over his head. That and was they, Alex Kemp's crew. Yeah. Well, see, that's a different crew. So, uh, yeah. So, to me, and I always. I always told him this, you know, you, you, what are you doing da, 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 about this call? And so he goes, that's not my job. That's the other guy's job. I, and to me, I go, forget it. You're all the same guy. <laughs> I treat him like they're all the same guy. You yeah. got to make that call. And, you know, so 
Yeah, I, I get it. It's it's out of your control. I have full faith that listen, they're doing playoff games this deep because they got a lot of calls right. Right. So take heart in that. The and, number, uh, yeah. Just then, trust the trust and, the process. And the number one thing is, if you're the team in that game, I've said it all the time. You got to make your own breaks and put yourself in a position where one bad call doesn't cost you the game. Get yourself in a position where you're so far ahead or comfortably up in a game where a bad call doesn't absolutely kill you and mean the difference between winning and losing. Right. Because we know the refs are not going to be perfect. They are imperfect. They're human. So with that in mind, make your own breaks so you're in position to win the game despite a bad call or two or three. Got to take a break here. Back with more of your questions in the OBL Friday Fan Mailbag at 803-0550. We'll catch up with more of your calls next here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. I don't know if you heard the call, but it went out for snow shovelers late yesterday, and uh, they are hard at work across the parking lot from us, clearing the snow out of the stadium a section at a time. And uh, our MSG oh, viewers are seeing some of the live progress. They've probably inside got Highmark Stadium. What maybe with this both sides? They maybe a third of the lower bowl shoveled, right? I would say a third is a good yeah percentage. You put yeah. that piece over there. Yeah, about third, and. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very different environment than it was. Uh, yeah, weather-wise, anyway, than it and was. Maybe last the Monday most night. important thing is it's not snowing right now, right? Which allows them to kind of catch up with what has fallen. That's probably the most important part. But you kind of see these guys. It is like a conveyor belt of snow removal. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so great job by our stadium ops crew and every uh, one of the volunteers that has come out to help uh, remove the snow from the stadium. Good luck the rest of the weekend. Let's get back to the phones, though, at 803-0550, the number to get on board with any question you might have about the Bills, the playoffs, the NFL at large, etc. We go to Andrew down in our nation's capital. What do you got, Andrew? Hi, Chris and Steve. Thanks so much for having me on. I want to talk a little bit about the decision to drop Leonard Fournette from the practice squad. It's a bit of a confusing move for me. I understand we got to make room for a second punter with Sam Martin potentially out. Don't get me wrong. I totally see that. But it seems strange to me to pick a guy that we know we can rely on if going forward we might potentially have some injuries in the backfield. Now, uh, I'm just surprised because it seems that there are some pretty good alternative positions where we might want to let some people go from the practice squad. I'm thinking maybe at tight end, you know, Sean himself has already said he doesn't necessarily have the greatest amount of trust in guys like Joel Wilson, you know. And we've already seen that if we get an injury at tight end, that we've been able to, uh, you know, deal with it as we did with the Knox injury. And so now I'm, being, I'm surprised to see that we're dropping a guy like Fournette, who's got, you know, he's a veteran with Super Bowl experience, and he seems to be a real leader in the locker room when you watch interviews with, say, Latavius Murray and James Cook. And we're dropping him going into the playoffs when I would think we'd want more depth at running back. So I just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on that. Is it because of his age compared to the younger guys we're keeping on the practice squad? Is it because of some contract stuff? Or what's your take on why the decision to yeah. go with Fournette to drop was? Fair, it's a fair question because as of now, there is no other running back on the practice squad. There's nobody. Right. So if anything happens to the top three guys, um, 
they're going to have to maybe they'll bring him back but right. there you go um that's it's a good question and I, and I knew people you know were going to lose their minds over it because they all have this this idea they have an infatuation with Lenny yeah and I get it um the guy's a, a st- and he and he saw a couple of snaps this year but um it it's due to the injuries um and there are other names on the practice squad that you know you'd think well who else were you going to get rid of and that's where I, I can't I can't help you because I don't know that a guy like a defensive tackle like Andrew Brown or Kyron Brown, a cornerback, uh, Cameron Klein, the defensive end, uh, Richard Courage, Courage uh, the offensive tackle. Richard Garage, yeah. Garage, yeah. Uh, Jermaine Effetti, Jamarcus Ingram, uh, Ken Jarvis. You know, this is A.J. Klein's there too. Greg Mance. Uh, Trey McKitty is a tight end. I mean, you go down the list, Josh Norman, Terrell Shavers, Brian Thompson. All these guys are on the on the practice squad. Most people would probably line them all up, and only, what, maybe Andy Isabella would be the only guy you could pick out that was more, finger quotes, famous than Leonard Fournette, yeah. or at least at the more close to the top of the list of Bills, you know, Bills fans knowing who he is. So I get it, but there's got – I mean, I, I just, I just got to trust those guys know what they're doing. My suspicion, too, is they don't feel threatened that any other team is just going to up and sign Leonard Fournette. 31 other teams had the opportunity to do that every week that Leonard Fournette was on the practice squad, and it didn't happen. So my suspicion is if and when Sam Martin is healthy enough to punt, Leonard Fournette could be right back on the practice squad. Maybe, Um and incidentally, Joel Wilson is no longer on the practice squad, the undrafted rookie tight end. He was released. They do have a tight end on the practice squad, Trey McKitty, uh, former Georgia alum. So, uh, But, yeah, it's a good point because they have three corners. They have four offensive linemen and two defensive linemen on their practice squad currently. And Fournette, to your point, was the only running back. So I understand the question. My suspicion is they feel pretty confident they could get him back as soon as if and when they need him. Got to take a break here, but when we return, it's our weekly visit with senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, going to chop up Bill's Chiefs and the X's and O's when we return. Here on One Bill's Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bill's Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Friday can mean only one thing. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, joining us. And Greg's appearance on the show is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. How we doing, Greg? You ready for a divisional weekend? I'm really excited about it. And, and, you know, they obviously made this game the last one intentionally, and I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, well, hopefully it'll live up to the hype uh, that it 
has given us reason to believe it will. So we'll see. Uh, this They played earlier in the year, week 14, in yeah. fact. It was has been fairly recently, right? So um, yeah. how does that game affect your mentality about this game? Well, you know, Steve, I think these teams know each other well. Haven't They've played quite a bit over the last number of years. So, you know, again, I don't think that there's going to be a lot of mystery involved here. Um, you know, obviously there's certain things on each side of the ball that you have to be prepared for. You know, the Bills on offense are going to have to certainly be prepared for Steve Spagnola blitzing. I mean, he's going to do that. And he'll probably show a couple of pressures that are, aren't exactly ones they've seen, you know, before. But uh, we're actually looking at the touchdown to James Cook now, which, believe it or not, is a play I broke down in this week's matchup show because it did come against a blitz. And it was a really cool concept by the Bills and, uh, and how they got to Cook on the eight seam throw. But, uh, you know, I think you always have to be aware you're going to get pressured. You have to understand that. And you're going to have to be able to beat it when you play a Steve Spagnola defense. Um, you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, and again, I'm just giving broad strokes and you guys can then ask, you know, go any direction you want. You know, the, the Bills will likely play, which they normally do, a lot of man, uh, excuse me, zone coverage. And you're going to have to be really disciplined, play really smart with your eyes. Mahomes knows how to move people. He knows how to move around and keep his eyes downfield. So you have to play with great discipline. Um, so, you know, there's certain things that have to happen in this game in order for, you know, on both sides, but obviously for the Bills to win, there's certain things that have to happen. Right. I want to begin with with one of the biggest changes in this matchup, which is the venue. And we know right. that the offensive tackles for the Chiefs have had their share of problems this season, particularly Jawan yes. Taylor had two more penalties last week at home. And now he's going to be operating with silent count. So my question to you is, are there ways in which Sean McDermott can scheme things up to ensure he gets one-on-one -on -one matchups on the edges because I think they can win there. I Yes, and there's also things they can do, not only one-on-one -on -one matchups, Brownie, but with their fronts, show what look like stunts might be part of it as well because the way offensive tackles are stores. Uh, taught to deal with stunts is they stay inside for an extra step because they, it looks like it might be a stunt. So with the use of your fronts, um, where you line people up, you can create problems for offensive tackles for sure. And uh, even Donovan Smith, who was back last week at left tackle, he has struggled as well, Brownie. So, you know, this is this has to be an advantage for the Bills. They have to be able to, again, we're not talking about getting nine sacks. We know that's not going to happen, but they have to be able to speed up Mahomes. They have to be able to win those matchups. And then obviously we know Mahomes can move and make plays. So then you have to be able to, to respond to that. One of the things that has come out of this is that the Chiefs' offensive tackles have struck. They got one tackle, and I can't remember his name, but the right tackle has been penalized. Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor's been. Yeah, Juwan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, the penalties have been, you know, he's the most constant. penalized Dude. player in the league. Yeah. So, and being on the road, if, I mean, certainly, as we've seen, offensive tackles like to back up a little bit off the lineup, a little bit off the line sure. of scrimmage, and push it and push it and push it. And then, you know, but also when they can't hear the snap count because of the crowd, which is this is going to be a new experience for the Chiefs in the in the Mahomes area, the road playoff game. I mean, it's it does make a difference over the course of four quarters, right? Yeah, you would think it would. 
Um, you know, to me, one of the big questions in this game, and 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 I'm not suggesting they're not going to put the ball in Mahomes' hands. Obviously, he's a great player, but they certainly have become quote unquote more balanced over the last month or so. You know, with Pacheco, and they've run the ball with some volume and with with production. So, you know, that's. Uh, again, we don't know how they're going to come out and play in this particular game, but you know that has certainly been an added dimension that you we never thought a whole lot about prior that they're really a running football team. But but Pacheco's had over twenty carries, you know, at times in recent games, and and he's a tough back. You got you got to get a lot of bodies to Pacheco, right? And he did not play in the previous matchup between that the is Bills correct and yep. Chiefs, so. I don't know what to make of that because they have leaned on him heavily because of the disconnect that they've experienced in their passing game. Um, Correct. So they've relied on him a lot more than we've seen Andy Reid offenses lean on backs in the recent past. Um, How would you characterize the run plays in which they use him most frequently? Is it mostly between the tackle stuff, or do they run some other run concepts with him as bread and butter? He's mostly an inside runner, Brownie. I would say that to me, and again, I don't know how they see it versus this particular defense. We know that the uh, Bills are predominantly what we call an over front, which means they line up their, their defensive front to the strength of the offense to the tight end side, but they've been they like to run gap scheme with Pacheco where they pull a guard because he's a downhill north-south runner. He's not necessarily a guy that sort of picks his way and figures it out. That doesn't mean they never run zone, but, you know, gap scheme is a little different. When you get that pulling guard, you can sort of follow him into the hole, and he hits that hole, and he's an angry runner. When he gets to the second and third level, he runs really, really hard, and he's the kind of back that if it's blocked for five, he can get nine or ten. So gap scheme to me is is more the kind of run that he runs well and that they rely on with him. Well, and you're right. Pacheco is a, a something that's going to be a kind of a wild card in this game because he didn't play in the first one and he's a difference maker for them but they're still going to throw the football more probably than they run it give us an idea of where this sits I mean Kelsey had a couple of really prominent drops early in the game last week um, and Rice has been really their only dependable wide receiver the rookie although uh, I don't know I, I just it feels to me like Rice should be getting more targets and he's not yeah, he's and you're right about that, Steve. That he's the become the he's become their number one receiver, and and he's got good traits. I mean, I, I did him coming out of college, and again, I don't, I often don't get caught up in number one, number two, unless a guy is truly special, you know. But uh, but Rice has he's got good size. He moves well. He's a little quicker than I think people think. Um, he's starting to show a really good feel versus zone coverage as to how to uncover the play. We're just looking at was a great example of that. Um, so. You know, he's a really he's become a really solid receiver. Now, last week the game was a little different because Vic Fangio decided to go really heavy with zero pressure. And I think they were probably in the twelve to fifteen play range of zero pressures, which is not going to happen, of course, with the Bills. And Mahomes played, I thought, mentally and physically an unbelievably good game, given that they probably got things they did not expect in as they prepared for that game. Um, but Rice has kind of become his number one guy. Obviously, Kelsey is always that guy to some extent. But the, there, there are two receivers that I think you have to be most concerned about. 
And then for the Chiefs' defense, you know, James Cook kind of had his way with them the last time. He was not only their leading rusher, he was Buffalo's leading receiver. Um, It's almost as if Spagnuolo underestimated him to a certain extent and never adjusted. How do you think Spagnuolo adjusts and tries to account for him and maybe make him more of a priority? Yeah, I I don't know if that was the case, Brownie. I mean, the touchdown he caught was – was a really brilliantly designed play and they blitzed and they they caught them you know they went what we call four strong with Sherfield's motion across the formation and the safety reacted to Sherfield and they ended up catching them and they ran a great route a great route combination and Cook ran what we call eight seam the other play in which he caught a a vertical route was a wheel yeah, if I'm wheel. not mistaken yep. and I think Gay busted the coverage so I don't know if it's a question of underestimating Cook. I think it was a busted coverage, but they'll be absolutely aware of him. I mean, look, he's he's gotten down the field. Unfortunately, he's had a couple of drops, but he can get down the field as a receiver, and they will have to definitely deal with that. The question is, how much pressure will they try to put on the Bills' offense? Um, will it be a big pressure game? We know that Spags likes to do that. Um, will he do that in this game? Um, you know, I think the Bills' offense is it's become a little more efficient, a lot of quicker throws, a lot of more sustaining type throws. You know, if you feel that that's going to be more a foundation, those are the kinds of throws you don't blitz because you're not going to get there, and then you're just wasting a player. Right. So and give us an idea now, because we've, t- we've had you on every week and we've talked about the Bills offense and how it's evolved. Joe Brady now calling the plays and it's become, and, and to the casual fan, is spreading it out more. Khalil Shakir's catching balls. Kincaid's catching balls. Diggs is still getting his share of targets. Knox is getting them now. Cook is involved. How, you know, how does this offense now stack up or you know what's its yeah. personality now compared to where it was maybe at the beginning of the year or what we've seen in the past and and how does that match up with you know what are the Chiefs going to look at when they when they see this well, offense uh I'll answer that backwards one thing that Spags is a big believer in is press he does not like to give receivers free access off the ball um he just not a believer in that so you might have to see some more motion in this game to try to get free access off the ball but then speaking about the Bills pass game I think one of the things they've really done and it's it's to help Josh because you know I think Josh when he plays efficiently boy is is it tough to defend there's been a lot more quicker game throws the ball's getting out you know they're taking on first down if it's a seven yard game they're, they're more than happy with that you know they might take a shot every once in a while but they're not really pushing the ball down the field the way they used to so you know every once in a while they will i mean obviously when they get a a coverage they feel that hey we're going to get this coverage the touchdown to kincaid this past week was a perfect example of that i guarantee that was a game planned play call that they felt pretty confident they were going to get that coverage in that situation because that was after a, a turnover if i'm not mistaken um so as we're looking at the play, because it was a cover two play and uh, it was a seam ball, and then that's how you attack middle open coverage. Uh, but I think everything has been quicker. You know, they want Josh to be rhythmic. They don't want him sitting in the pocket or fleeing out of the pocket for no reason. So the ball is getting out of his hand. I think that's one reason why Kincaid's such a big factor, why Shakir has become more of a factor. And I think that's a good way to go. It gets him comfortable. It gets him into the game. All quarterbacks want early, and I've talked to quarterbacks about this, are completions. They want to feel like, hey, I'm, I'm out here. I'm completing balls. We're moving the ball. Right. 
We know and we've talked to you about Buffalo's dime package defensively. Yep. And, you know, we, we kind of have a pretty good grasp on that. The Chiefs use dime at the fourth highest rate in the league. I mean, even more yes, than do. even more than the Bills do. And they have guys that can line up at a number of different spots, whether it's Justin Reed or their, you know, sub package guy, Shamari Connor, who will come in. So you combine this dime package with two elite cover guys in Legarius Sneed and McDuffie. Where and how do they use that most often against what type of teams? And I'm assuming mostly on third down. Yeah, not mostly, not always. I mean, or not only, I should say not only. Yes, they do it on third down. Um, now, keep one thing in mind. When they go dime and even when they go nickel, McDuffie comes inside and it's normally Watson um, who goes outside. And you can attack Watson. If you remember last year when they played in Kansas City in the game that the uh, Chiefs won, I believe last year's game was the game they won with Knox Catch late in the game, if memory serves me correctly, and then the interception by Johnson right at the end yes. of the game. Wasn't that last year? Yeah, that was yes. week six. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was last year. But they threw two vertical touchdowns in that game, one to Diggs, one to Davis, and I'm almost sure both came against Watson. Um, Watson is the corner you can go after, um, and you know I think they will go after him. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, when they go to their sub package, McDuffie moves inside into the slot. So he it used to be Sneed. Sneed now stays outside. Yeah. And Sneed is a really good corner. He's very physical. He's very competitive. He's a tough guy to go against. So what do you think this as this these two teams take the field? Um, you've got Steve Spagnolo, uh, Sean McDermott. Uh, this defense for the Chiefs has become, and we didn't think I didn't think it was going to be possible while Pat Mahomes was taking snaps. But Steve Spagnolo's got the Chiefs defense. Really is the anchor of the club right now. No question. They are the they are the engine that makes it go. Um, and I we've seen it with other places where in. Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers was a superstar quarterback, four-time MVP, and they, the organization got crushed for not giving him more and more weapons and more and more weapons. Well, what happened was the club just said, hey, we got this MVP. He's going to make everybody else, all these mediocre guys, better. Let's get a defense. Is that where the Chiefs are? Uh, well, as I'm just looking at this tape, it was Williams who also plays corner, uh, who who they went after on those two touchdowns last year. He's kind of the backup to Watson. But this team this year has been mostly built on, on the play of their defense. Um, they've not had a great offensive year relative to what they've done in the past. They've got – it's a really good combination, guys, of quality, quality players at all three levels and scheme. Spags is really, really good. You know, their blitz packages are really difficult to figure out. He's really good with late coverage rotation. Um, they have players who can win one-on-one as pass rushers. You're looking at one of them right now in Chris Jones, but he's not the only one. Um, so, you know, this is a difficult defense to play against, and it's a difficult defense to play against on third down. Uh, so, you know, this is not Look, they, they won the game, obviously, at Arrowhead, but it was not a high-scoring game. Wasn't it 21-17, I believe? 20-17, to um, yeah. 27, yeah. So it was not a high-scoring game. Um, you know, so, you know, this is not uh, – again, you never can predict turnovers or special teams plays, so I don't want to go there. But I think in just the normal course of this game, I would doubt this is going to be a 38-35 game. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm kind of thinking low 20s here. Yeah. Um, yeah. With respect to 
the red zone, Greg, it's been a problem for the Chiefs' offense. I mean, they're five for their last 14 trips in the red zone, two of six last week against a completely injury-riddled Dolphins defense. What's going on there from what you've been able to see on TV? Yeah. Uh, you know, normally they have some really cool plays, Brownie, and we just haven't seen those, and I don't know why. Those, you know, those are play calls. Um, but, um, you know, in an odd way, Kelsey has really not been a factor over a good stretch of the last part of this season. Um, and normally in the red zone, he has been a killer, both in how they scheme him and winning one-on-one matchups. And that has not been the case. And I don't have a brilliant answer for that, but I just remember over these past number of years, and I'm sure you do as well, it seemed like Kelsey was catching red zone touchdowns every single week. And and he's just not been a factor at all in the red zone. Yeah, and I think that's been the, the surprising thing as well. This Chiefs team was, it seemed, was so creative and doing the shovel yes. passes and the and and the 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 lateral movement in the backfield. Uh so creative down in the red zone and particularly in goal to go situations. Sure. And I don't know whether it's a lack of opportunities this year where they haven't gotten down there as much, but you just have not seen that from them. And, and maybe it's Eric no. Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy's been gone now. He maybe perhaps he had a, a contribution that's that's lacking. Uh, but I have a hard time getting my mind around why the Chiefs have have we, we find ourselves looking at the Chiefs' offense like this. I know, and I agree with you. I mean, it's it's. It, that, that to me is always a hard thing when a team struggles in an area they've been so good at. Um, you know, I always find when I watch tape that I, I, I don't come across one reason where I can say, hey, this is the sexy reason why it happens. But, you know, I do know that Kelsey's not been a factor at all. Those creative plays you, you've spoken about, Steve, which they used to do seemingly every week, we haven't seen many of those. So, you know, we don't know the reasons for this. Um, I can tell you one thing. I don't think I'm not in Mahomes' head, but I don't think he's real comfortable throwing to other receivers, really, besides Rice and and, and probably Kelsey. But, uh, you know, I don't think they're getting much at all from their other receivers, not even in terms of volume, the targets I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Greg, thanks, as always, for the breakdown. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you next week. Enjoy the games thanks, this weekend. Greg. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yep. All right, Bills. that's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of ESPN. ESPN's NFL matchup show, where undoubtedly, with only four games this week, the Bills Chiefs will be a component of that program. Um, so if you need further breakdowns, check that show out. It's usually airing on the weekends on ESPN and ESPN2. Uh, let's get back to the phones, though, at 803-0550 on this OBL Fan Friday mailbag day. And we go next here to Julian in Buffalo. What do you got for us, Julian? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, fellas, I got two messages for the Bills Mafia, but before I get to that, my message to you guys, I appreciate all the work you guys do year in, year out. Um, especially you, Chris, you are Buffalo Bills, just how we say next man up. Same to you Get with John Murphy. We all miss and love him, but uh, you're doing a phenomenal job on the broadcast. Thanks. Absolutely. Now, to the Bills Mafia, for one, please stop throwing snowballs on the field. We do not need to give the Chiefs extra free yards. Throw them up in the air, do the little snow fireworks, however you call it. I love seeing it on the air, but <laughs> we don't need to get the Chiefs free yards. Come on now. Uh, we're better than that. Warm welcome from Mahomes. And let's go, man. We've been asking for this for how long? We brought Von Miller here for this reason, for this game. We finally got the Chiefs at home in Buffalo. 
ah, man, I, I don't know why I'm not as worried as I was because I know when, I, when the Steelers game came up, I was nervous, but this game, I am pumped. I am ready. Bills Mafia, stand up. Let's get this dub. Josh Allen, go off. And let, let's make this happen, man. One week at a time, one game at a time, but this is the game. This is the game. Man, let, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a roller coaster, but let's stay strong and let's get this dub. Go Bills. All right, let's let's get Julian in the locker room pregame, okay. man. He's I hear him clapping there. In his, <laughs> in his, wherever he is, he's, cla- he's pounding his fist. He's ready to right? go. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, it was good. And you're right. I'm yeah, you don't want to say anybody snowball any nobody throws don't throw snowballs on the field. Um and wear blue to the game. Don't wear your right. red stuff, wear the blue stuff. Um and you know yeah, just cheer for your team. Uh this is a big game. It's gonna be awesome. I know it, this is one of those where it, it feels different having the game in Orchard Park, I think. And I don't know whether it, most people are like more calm and less nervous about this game because it's in Orchard Park rather than Kansas City. But there does not seem to be the level of angst with Bill's Mafia about playing at home rather than going to Kansas City. Like yeah, I get that is. sense too. Uh, I don't know why that is because I'll say it again. I'm, I've said I got a Brownie's got a T-shirt. I can't find mine. Brownie's got a T-shirt that says you got to play well on that day. You don't win this game just because you're at home. You got to play, and you got to play well because um, that other team probably will. Defending Super Bowl champs. Never underestimate the heart of a champion. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Say it again. Never underestimate it. Let's go to Butch in Buffalo next. What's up, Butch? My guys, my guys, and thanks so much for taking my call. Oh, are you there? Did we lose you, Butch? Butch. Oh, we lost Butch. All right, let me, let me put him on hold. I don't know what happened there because he's still on the line, but. We, for some reason, can't hear you, Butch, so just hang tight because we actually got to get to break anyway. We'll take a break here, but taking more of your phone calls at 803-0550 on this OBL Friday fan mailbag, answering any of your questions about the Bills, the playoffs, the league at large. Uh, got open lines for you at 803-0550. We're back in a flash here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. Back here on a Friday, One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and it is time for Collision Course, brought to you by Gabe's Collision. Gabe's Collision, the official auto collision repair center of the Buffalo Bills. Get back in the game. And our collision course this week is Isaiah Pacheco against Buffalo's run defense. As we mentioned earlier, Pacheco, out with a shoulder injury in that Week 14 matchup, did not play. And the Chiefs managed just 82 yards on the ground in total in the Bills' 20-17 victory. But he is back. And in the playoffs, he has had over 75 yards from scrimmage in his, I think, four career playoff games. Mm-hmm. So he's got jackhammer feet, you know, uh, active, high-knee runner. Bills are really going to have to kind of hem him in. Yeah. And not let him get outside. Uh, he's usually a between-the-tackles runner. We heard you know, Greg Cosell tell us last segment how they kind of utilize a gap scheme with him. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's, an, but he's a tackle breaker. He's he, a north-south runner. First guy's got to um, wrap up. He's got great, great burst. He can get to the edge, but they, they run him right up between the tackles, man, and, and they're very good at it. So 4-3-8 speed. They're, 
like we've been talking about all all week that the interior, the guard to guard offensive line of the Chiefs is better than they are at the edges. So they kind of use those guys. They they get up inside and they can get to the second level and then move people around. Um, it's yeah, it's a good group up inside there. So they're going to use it. And that's that's the what do we say? Collision course. There, right? That is our collision, collision course. course. There it's we like go. Our matchup of the week. Uh, we pivot from collision course to tailgate Friday, which oh, is presented go. by Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield, the official healthcare plan of the Buffalo Bills. And want to see what you're cooking up in the lots on this wintry Sunday? Uh, and we first see what Jason has to offer. He says, yet another late game for the Scottish Bills Mafia, although 11.30 p.m. is way better than last week. Maybe have an early night, but we'll probably watch Lions Bucks. There will be a celebratory whiskey with a Bills win, then a few hours of sleep, then work. Go Bills. So that's uh, Scottish Bills Mafia watching on the other side I of the pond. I go to Scotland sometime. If it's nay Scottish, it's crap. (laughs) That's right. Right? Isn't that what we say? Uh, Steve on the tailgate Friday menu says, I will be watching the game from my patio like I always do because it is unseasonably freezing cold in southern Tennessee. I wanted something on the menu to warm me up. I'm going with a spicy Cajun chicken, sausage, and shrimp gumbo for this big game. Oh, man, would I want to be there. I love shrimp gumbo. Go Bills. Hashtag propane heater. I got yeah, that propane heater. I've got a, ver- a ver- veranda. I call you it. do it's have a, it's a, a patio with a roof on it, right? And I've got two propane heaters out there. I've actually worn out two oh propane heaters. Totally I had the kind with the ball. umbrella that you know. Those oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had two of those mean. gone, done. They they're used up. Um, you just need more propane, or I, they died no, on? No, you? they died on me. They, oh. I've used one of them was older than some of my kids. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so I, I like you know what I'm done with these. I, so I took gone. So I got these little turbo heaters, okay. little smaller, not like the sideline, but kind of like the sidelines, but, but very small. Design? Yes, bro sleeve. Those are money. Yeah, don't stand too close. It's the only way you smoke cigars outside. You got to have something to keep you warm. Okay, fair enough. So, Elizabeth says pulled pork bacon bombs, stuffed sweet or poblano peppers, which I use in my chili, with buffalo chicken dip, Kansas City beefy black bean soup, and whiskey sours. Oh, Elizabeth, you're making my mouth water. All this stuff sounds pulled so good. Pulled pork bacon bombs. Talk about a double. Talk, talk about doubling like? down on pig. Could I pick a pulled pork pulled bacon pork bombs. bacon bomb. Well, I wonder what that is. Is that like a sandwich? They have I like, think it is, is that like a slider? Uh, it's got to be a sandwich. Or is it pulled pork so bacon yeah, bomb. So pulled pork with bacon on top so of pulled it. pork with more pork wrapped around it and formed with a bacon. With a poblano pepper with a poblano on top. pepper. Let's go. Thank you. May I have another? Yes. Uh Jack, a regular contributor here says in the lot this week, my friend's wife is making chili, so I'm grilling up some crisp cheesy garlic bread to go with it. Also making some of my creamy hot mustard pretzel dip and bringing the extra salty splits pretzels and can't forget the beer. Go Bills. Vengeance shall be ours. Uh, I am big on spicy mustard on a hot pretzel. Mm -hmm. Not so much a a cold, crispy one out of the bag, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you give me a hot New York City push cart pretzel. Yeah. I need spicy brown there mustard. Is, that is different. That is different. Yeah. Uh, Andrew says, going to cook a nice pork tenderloin with garlic mash 
and some cheddar cheese garlic biscuits. Ooh. Ooh. What can I say? I love he says What he, can I say? I love garlic. <laughs> LOL. Yeah, I yeah. like garlic too. I love all this stuff. And that's good submissions this week. It'll be wow. cuz I'll say this. I came in last week. It was a what was it? 4:30 game, right? On Monday night. And I got here early and I was I I drove right in without an issue. I mean, there was no trap nothing. All the way in. I yeah, got here about 10.30 or 11 or whatever it was. Sailed in. Sailed in. And then then it hit. The traffic was... It was bad. Yeah, even the veteran yeah. people who come to all the games are like, going, wow, it was awful. Because, you know, you can we all imagine all the private lots were all closed up because they couldn't move the snow. Some of them were closing it. So a lot, you know, thousands of people who have a normal, routine parking spot... Were displaced. Were out. Yeah. And so traffic was an absolute atrocity. Yeah. So think about that when you're getting ready to come to the game. Game's at 6.30, wear blue, and come very, very early. And layered up. And layered up. Uh, if you're sitting outside. Let's go back to the phones and to Mark in Jersey City. What do you got for us, Mark? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, yeah, KC, 400 yards for the first time since week seven. Last week against a MASH unit at home um, on offense. And they're... No Sky Moore in this game, who's pretty much a Josh Reed, former Bill. Mm. <laughs> um, same guy. Kincaid uh, and, and Shakir did not feature at all in the first game. It was Knox's first game back. On the road, like you said yesterday, they don't turn the ball over on defense because I think as they, they play so much press, sticky man, that the DBs are really never playing the, the quarterback. They're just staying on the receiver's yeah, hip. plaster, right. Under the under a under a turnover, 0.75 on the road, only six all year, and the offense almost two turnovers on the road. So I, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And they're home, they're away opponents. I mean, uh, Jaguars, and I'm talking about the environment more than anything. The environment they're going to face on Sunday: yeah. Jaguars, Chargers, yeah, Patriots, Packer. I mean, the Packers is probably the closest thing they've had faced all year. And that matters. And another thing I want to point out, Dawkins, Dion was very, very poignant yesterday talking about we're home. We're in our routine. We're in our beds. We're in our facility. We're in our rehab. You know, if I eat McDonald's or do this, it's still my routine. These guys are on the road. And I think that makes up for that extra day missed. When you're sleeping in a foreign bed, when you're sleeping in a and you're not eating the same food. You can't prehab and rehab the same way before, you know, before the game. You're, you don't have your setup. And they're used to that environment on the road. Uh, and I'm sorry, at home in Arrowhead in the playoffs. So this is completely alien. I don't care how many times they've been at home for the playoffs. Yeah, it's been a while since they've had a, probably a tough crowd uh, to play in front of. They were They were at Los Angeles, which, as we all know, is – it's a neutral crowd. It's a neutral at crowd at best. The Patriots on a de- late in the year when they were having a down year, not a really raucous crowd. At Green Bay, maybe uh, they lost by eight points to Green Bay in Green Bay. At the Vegas Raiders, they win there. Vegas is a neutral crowd probably as well. Well, right? it's a dome. It can get fired up in there, um, especially for the Chiefs. There's but a it, rivalry there. Yeah, that's true. And they were at Denver. That's a tough crowd. To pl- a tough place to play always. Uh, and then at Minnesota, at the Jets. And at Jacksonville way back in the day. You're right. Um, their road schedule was not one that is littered with a lot of tough places, although Minnesota's you know, got a great, good defense. Yeah, Vegas and Denver 
are tough, tough road venues, but not in the playoffs and not here in Orchard Park when it's going to be six or nineteen degrees or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, um, yeah six, it'll be a different. And and for all the marbles, they've never Mahomes never done this. So we'll see. He may – we don't know. He may hit it out of the park. He may play awesome. He may well, his come in numbers, and mow it down. His playoff numbers in neutral site games, which are obviously the Super Bowls, those are the closest thing he's played to a road venue, his completion percentage comes down about 6%. His yards per attempt come down. His touchdown to interception ratio comes down, and his passer rating comes down as well. So we'll see if that holds to form in a road venue on Sunday. To Paul in Rome next. What's up, Paul? Hey, how you guys doing this afternoon? Great. Awesome. Hey, I got a question in regards to, I've been watching Von, huge uh, uh, supporter of uh, Von Miller and the defense. My question is, and maybe they haven't shown it because I'm sure as a great coach does, they don't show all their cards, but why aren't they sliding him in through the middle and blitzing him up through the middle? You know, we're depleted at the middle linebacker right now. My thought is blitz him every play. Bring him in every different gap. You don't know what gap he's coming through. He can run a straight line. He just can't get – you get a 350-pound, 70-pound, whatever big guy leaning on you, you don't have that lateral explosion anymore. Straight liner. I, I think he could blow up their running game like crazy. What what say you guys? You're, you're talking about moving Vaughn around all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, he wants him up the middle. Uh, uh, I get it. Okay, well, yeah, th- here's the thing – uh, yeah, I mean, you can do that. I don't know that Vaughn is that kind of player. He's never done that in his career, and I don't think you need to reinvent. The yeah, world. you're not gonna you're not gonna flip over the apple cart that's gotten you to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. You've got some confidence in the guys around in that around Vaughn that have played very well in their spots. Um, you're not gonna. I don't. I don't think it's is it a, t- a time for you. I don't think anybody on this defense are at a point where you want to. Focus the entire game plan around them and their pass rush. Now, certainly Vaughn's going to get his chance to rush at, rush the passer, but he's going to do it like he always does it. And so is uh, Greg Rousseau, so is AJ Epinesa, so is Shaq Lawson, all those guys. Uh, Ed Oliver. Uh, so I'm not I'm not one. You may throw that in there like as a changeup, but you're not going to do that as a game plan, yeah. a staple of your game plan. That it, yeah, certainly you can do it once in a while, but um, you don't want to change up everything you've done because once you put Vaughn there, well, who's going to take the spot where Vaughn lined up and who's going to take, you know, what are you going to do with the linebacker that was lined up there? Uh, who are you going to put, you know, who are you going to take off the field if he changes positions with the guy? And all of a sudden now, instead of just Vaughn rushing to a different spot, now you got three guys that are doing something different. So it's, you know, I'm not, a, I don't know if I'm a fan of that at all. We have to step aside here. One more segment to go. We'll try to squeeze in a couple of phone calls when we come back here on an OBL Friday fan mailbag. One Bills Live presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Time for our Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. See the 716 more clearly with Atwal Eye Care, your complete eye care provider and the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. Schedule a consultation at atwaleye.com to learn more about the new vision correction options available. For me, Steve, I think the D-line has to dominate 
And what I mean by that is they've got to find a way to scheme one-on-ones on the edges. We know Sean McDermott has done some expert scheming in terms of scheming guys into one-on-one opportunities with simulated pressures, blitz packages, people coming from different places. I think these offensive tackles can be had in one-on-one matchups, whether it's Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, Shaq Lawson, I mean, anybody out there, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. It's a win, a win, a win, and a win. Eight ways to Sunday. I think yep. they got to make that happen. And I'm not saying, to Greg Cosell's point, they're going to get five sacks in the game, but move him off his spot, make him uncomfortable, hurry some decisions with his throwing, and uh, give him to throw it away. Give him some opportunities on the back end to get yeah. some takeaways. I'll say that, yeah, and I'll agree, I'll agree with that too. And I'll also say that I think uh, their ability, the offensive line of the Buffalo Bills' ability to handle Chris Jones is huge in this game. And I think one of the reasons they can do that, one of the ways they can do that, is to run right at him, playing defensive tackle, just beat him up, push him around. Don't give him a chance to rush the passer. Um, you know. Uh, I think this is an offensive line of the Bills that can push those guys. They're, they're out with the, one of their guys is out. The defensive tackles is out. Their run defense statistically looks weaker, way weaker than their pass defense. Uh, James Cook might be able to carry the day here uh, for the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think their ability to handle Chris Jones in the passing game and then run right at him in the run game and just you know make it a long day for him might give the Bills a chance to win as well. Yeah, uh, he's had a hell of a season, though. <laughs> Not for nothing. Chris Jones, 13 tackles for loss, 10.5 sacks, and 29 quarterback pressures. 29. You don't pressure the quarterback when you're tackling a running back. Yeah, that is true. We'll see. Enjoy the game. Steve and I will be back on Monday to wrap it all up at noon. We'll see you then.